Welcome to the Juggling Without Balls podcast. My name is Monica Parkin and I am your host. And every week on the show, I'm going to be talking to powerful, successful women who juggle it all. And when I say juggle it all, I mean everything. Kids, health, aged parents, careers, relationships, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So stick around, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a seat and enjoy the show. Hello, jugglers, and welcome to another episode. My guest today is Christine Buman. Christine is a busy, successful mortgage broker and real estate investor in Northern BC. She's won tons of awards, including being the recipient of the Canadian Mortgage Professionals Women of Influence Award two years in a row. That's not why I'm here to talk to her, though. Today, I want to talk to her because she is one of those people that never hesitates to speak honestly and openly about the struggles involved in being a parent and an entrepreneur. And I'm really looking forward to chatting with her a bit more about that today. Okay, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I happen to be in the mortgage industry. I've had a few mortgage people on and and I know it's not a show about the mortgage industry, but you're an entrepreneur, you're a mom, and you're actually very, very honest and transparent about the fact that sometimes being a mom and being an entrepreneur is freaking hard and there's just a lot of moving pieces. So we're going to get into that a little bit more later on. But first of all, you've been doing mortgage brokering since 2010. You're just a complete rock star. Every time I turn around, you're picking up a new award somewhere. It's just like a slew of awards in Christine's background here. So she's obviously really excelled at it. But what made you decide to go into this industry to be a mortgage broker? That's a great question. I actually was going to go into acupuncture. And I, I was quite young when I became a mortgage broker. So I was trying to discover what, what path and what journey I wanted to go on in life. And I had personally always been very invested or interested in real estate. And I'd invested in multiple properties from the time I was really young. And I had a friend who was a mortgage broker. And I had always used a mortgage broker, really believed in the value of it. And so I was a waitress at the time and then decided to take my course, drop out of the acupuncture class. For me, obviously, I believe in what mortgage brokers do, but I always knew that I wanted to be a mom and I've always really loved kids. So my life goal was always to be, to have a family and to be, I'm really family oriented. So I felt like I knew I wanted to run my own business and what that would look like. I wasn't quite sure at the time, but I knew that having my own business would give me the freedom to work my own hours and to raise my family in the way that that worked best for us. And and I think uh, a lot of people in this industry, that's one of the, re- A, they're passionate about real estate, but B, they'd like that flexibility of their schedule and being able to work their day around their job a little bit. But acupuncture, that's interesting. So you were actually already partway through an acupuncture course and you dropped it to go into to brokering? No, I was signed up. I was taking all of my prerequisite courses to go into another another one. Because that's like a completely different industry. I work in two completely (laughs) different industries. My other industry is veterinary medicine and then mortgage brokering. So like they're completely different. So definitely met people that have been in the hospitality industry because those skills actually transfer really well. It's a communication relationship building customer service skills. But acupuncture is interesting. Yeah. So now you said, because we're just talking about ADHD and I love going off on little tangents and I just saw a squirrel there. So you said that you own multiple properties from a very young age. So you started investing in real estate at a young age. Were those rental properties or what was your first purchase and and what sort of tweaked you to do that? Because it's usually 
people do that in their 30s and their 40s buying their first house, but it's mm-hmm. not often. Sometimes I've had clients walk in at 19 and they're like, I'm buying my first place. I'm so excited to help those people. But what sort of helped you along with that? The day I turned 19, I applied for a credit card. I applied for a short-term loan that I didn't need simply so that I could get credit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the best thing. So I, yeah, I just, I've always had a passion for it. I was really financially responsible. I was taught from a young age. Interesting thing that my dad did again, I'll squirrel around. Yeah. When I was a kid, he, my dad used to pay me to read educational books and our motivational books. So he'd pay me the value of the book to read it. And prior to that, I had a really colorful teenage years and early, early 20s, a little bit of a wildflower. So I feel like I probably got a lot. A lot of people have those years spread out over their 20s and probably early 40s. I condensed all of that into like age 13 to 20, just got it all out of the way and and then decided I was ready to, to settle down. Awesome. That's like an ADHD thing. I think that hyper-focus and then you move on, you do the next thing, right? So you did the hyper-focus oh, on the party thing and then you're yes. like, okay, now it's time to get serious. It totally. sounded a lot like my daughter too. She's like 21 and she's like, I need a second credit card, mom. I need to build more than two trade lines. So like she, she got like a spreadsheet with every purchase on it. And if you try to pay her cash, she's like, you can't do that. That'll mess up my spreadsheet. You have to e-transfer me because like literally every stick of gum she's ever bought in her life is on that spreadsheet. So same with me. And I actually was, I I have trust issues as well. Oh, I have so many (laughs) issues, but one of them is about banks. Ironically, here I'm as a mortgage broker. So for probably a solid year, I kept every check and all my tips in a brown paper envelope under my mattress. uh, And I would record to the penny how much I had my little ledger until I realized that if you don't checks, if you don't cash checks right away, they expire. So then having to go back through those and then somebody stole from me. So that was when I realized. Decided that maybe you would have to trust a bank. Yeah. In fact, I remember someone posting recently that for a down payment, someone um, wanted to use a check that they'd gotten three years ago and they had this check for $15,000, but they hadn't cashed it. And they're like, oh yeah, I'll send you a photocopy of it. I'm going to use it for my down payment. And she yeah. had to explain to them that this check is no longer valid. Like you can't keep checks for that long. Me, That would be me. Yeah. I still, I just had a check that was like six months and it's for my work so that it carries over into another. Yeah. yeah. I'm really bad for that. And, and I, I really wanted to own my own home. It was always something that was going to be important. So was that first home that you purchased, was that for you? And then you went on to purchase revenue properties or did you actually start with a revenue property and live at home for a while? Or what was your sort of path there? (laughs) I actually have been living on my own since I was just before 15. So uh, again, I had some years of paying rent and I was like a a hostess at Red Robin (laughs) making $6 an hour. So um, pay, trying to pay rent and, all, and organize all that stuff. Yeah, I know it was, a, it was a primary residence with my partner at the time. And we lived in that home for a while and then went on and purchased. I was lived in each of the homes and then I started purchasing rentals um, several years after. I kept, I would keep a home as a rental and yeah. I've basically done everything that you can try. Personal name, I still have a rental in my maiden name, purchased in Hold Coast. Yeah. Um, but that probably... In terms of your clients, it probably mm-hmm. brings you this huge wealth of experience. A, yeah. for the young people that want to break into the market, you've totally yeah. been there, done that. And for the people that do want to start a rental property portfolio, totally. you've also been there, done that. You can completely yeah. relate to their concerns, to the, what their goals are, all that kind of stuff, right? And I, I separated with, obviously, my it was a boyfriend. We were never married, yeah. but I went through that whole tr- ridiculous experience um, that a lot of people go through as well. So I can... Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. And I've tried so many different things, especially with investment properties. I've tried the good, bad, and ugly. And I've learned a lot along the way. So I feel like I work well with investors in that way. But again, yeah, first-time buyers too. I was 20 when I bought mine. It was just before 20. I can't remember anymore. (laughs) Actually, my daughter's going to UVic and I'm trying to talk her into actually like purchasing a condo down there because she's going to have to live down there for four years. So why don't you just like break into that Victoria market right now and get going? But It's cool how our life experiences and even things that are maybe a struggle for you end up being the silver lining later because you can use it to to be of service to others, to help people in your business, things like that, and make their experience better because you've already gone through it. So you can guide them and navigate them through through the difficulties that you've already encountered or worked out the kinks on. Try to. Gives you more empathy, that's for sure. You know, life experience is something that it's just irreplaceable. And I think that yeah, I think that I, I have a, a really well-developed sense of empathy mm-hmm. and simply because I've been through everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is that it really helps to eliminate fear. It's something that I, there are a few things that I fear in life that I don't think I can handle just because I've handled so much in my life that yeah. I'm really confident in my ability to to handle stressful situations. And that can go either way, right? Some people look back on those experiences and it makes them more fearful. And other people can look back and go, I went through this, I went through this, I went through this. I'm still standing. I can totally deal with whatever else is in front of me. And it's all about that mind shift. And and it sounds like you've taken that glass half full positive mind shift. Like I've dealt with all this stuff. I can totally handle whatever comes my way. I take it one step further even where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a glass. Yeah, I have a glass and I have something in it. <laughs> and and I try to do that too. It's and it's amazing how it just shifts your whole perspective. Like you can be in the crappiest situation, but then you like the other day my mother, it's just a simple thing, but my mother-in-law's got a little RV and her pump broke or whatever. And she's like, Oh, these things always happen to me. I have the worst luck, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, stop. First of all, mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm helping you. It's a beautiful sunny day. It's not raining. And we just started listing like all these things that are actually working to her, like amazing about this. It's not the middle of winter. The pipes aren't frozen. Like she's, oh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, this is actually really good. So when she was able to flip this, oh, poor me, I'm have the worst luck to, yeah, this actually, this is a really good day. And to be able to do that is, is a skill that you learn, but it's definitely a thing that carries you far in life. I actually had COVID and I was, it was really tough uh, go for me there for a bit. And it was, but I also simultaneously was reading this book called the pull of the stars. I'm I'm huge into reading. And it was such a gift for me to have that book at the time that it, that I had it because it's talking about the pandemic in the early 1900s and just such a stark comparison to what we're experiencing now. So I just, we felt so grateful to be able to to go through that illness and to be able to do it at home while I can still work with my family here. Yes, we had to quarantine together. It we had each other. Yeah, I think it's a, it's really good for perspective and to not. That's one thing that's tough is to not feel sorry for yourself. But mm-hmm. and there are a lot of other people in a lot worse situations. Yeah, yeah. And I remember someone saying once, no matter how bad you think it is, like if you're breathing. You're doing better than some people, right? So, yeah, but you worked through COVID. So while you were sick with COVID, you were working. I did, yeah. Wow, that's unreal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A couple other moving parts that had that happened in my business that I had to plug away, but impressive. And so what we were talking about at the beginning, you've been very open about the fact that the early years of motherhood can mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship can be grueling, lonely. And full of judgment to just pull those words off of your LinkedIn post. 
Mm. It's so true. Like that just, when I read that, it just totally resonated with me. And that was when I was like, I'm getting Christine on the show. Like we got to talk about this because it's a thing for real. And did you want to expand on that a bit more or your own experience about it or? Sure. Yeah. I, I reached out. Actually, it was funny enough. I didn't really know Dustin at the time. And we were just chatting one day. I was, my kids were just born. And he said to me, it sounds like you're a mom without a tribe. And that always stuck with me because I felt like as an entrepreneur, I had this spirit where I wanted to collaborate and innovate and have the self, the sense of self and do this business side, which of course I had my business going at the time, but I also had this group of stay-at-home mom friends and I just didn't fit in either. So all my corporate friends, it was nine to five and they had a very specific lifestyle. And then the stay-at-home moms, I didn't fit in there either. I was the one in a top knot with <laughs> coffee stain shirt in a corporate <laughs> setting with my oh. kids crying in the background. And so I really felt a struggle and I didn't really have an example of how I wanted to be as a mother. And I think that we have these expectations of what motherhood is going to look like for us, how we're going to act, how we're going to go through that journey on our own. And so motherhood alone or a parenthood, I would say in general, but mm-hmm. there you're, you have this surge of, of hormones and emotions and everything that you're working through also trying to navigate your business and what's best for clients. And at one point I just remember, I just wish people wouldn't call me because I I was so overwhelmed with life and my oldest didn't sleep well. So it was just constantly, they say sleep when the baby sleeps. I would work when the baby sleeps. So you're trying to time it all. And it just, it sent me into, I would say after about five years, that was when I just was in so deep of a depression that I would, I didn't even recognize that I was just so weighed down with the expectations that I had of myself. And I, that was a big realization is that a lot of it I had to take ownership of. Mm-hmm. It was that I wouldn't even, I get, I get so, going back to the hyper fixation on things, I get so focused on things. So my focus was on being the most natural, holistic, caring, loving mom that I could be. I wouldn't even give my kids pre-made kid food, <laughs> baby food. Yeah. I, I would buy organic rice and then make rice cereal from scratch, mix it with breast milk. And it was just, yeah, I, going back, I would have just said to myself, it's okay. You don't have you know, to remember. Yeah. And that's interesting because I just had a guest on two episodes ago and it was uh, Danielle Dobson, the gender code. And she said that's when she interviewed all these successful, high-performing women who are also lead parents at home. And the biggest struggle for them is this idea that they need to be perfect. That was the biggest thing that held them back is the desire to put ribbons and bows on everything and make everything perfect. Whereas she said, there's this theory that you can get 80% of something done with 20% of the effort. And it's the final 20% that making it perfect that actually takes 80% of the effort. And if you can just let go of some of that perfection, then it frees up all this other space in your life. And that really speaks to what you just said. Totally. And I found that I was not being honest with myself about my expectations being so high and I felt, and I was projecting on other people. So I wouldn't let anybody else babysit my kids still to this day. Actually, I've never had a babysitter. That's brings up a whole other baggage issues, but I was just so protective of them. And a lot of it was me thinking like, Oh, other people, this, and, and, and I, I, one day I want to say it was probably seven years ago. I just realized that judgment has no place in my life. It was just so toxic in general, judgment of myself, judgment of other people. I'm so hard on myself and it's, I'm I'm trying to really work on that internal dialogue. And so I visualize, I sound like a crazy hippie, but I, when I feel a judgmental thought coming on, if you can be mindful enough to recognize your thoughts, Mm -hmm. I just visualize wrapping it with empathy and just letting it float away. 
Beautiful. I love that. I do that with problems, not with judgment. But if I have a problem, I literally imagine it in this little balloon and then it floats away and it gets dealt with somehow. Similar, but different. But, and I feel like there's judgment no matter what you do. Like I remember being a stay at home mom. There was, I felt like there was all this judgment. I'm not accomplishing anything. I'm not getting anything done, blah, blah, blah. And then being a working mom, oh my gosh, I'm not spending enough time with my kids. And then Breastfeeding, that was a whole nother judgment because that didn't work out and then needed a C-section. And then there's, oh, you can't have a baby, the real. There's just, there's judgment around everything and it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're, whatever side, like for now, I'm like, you know what? You're just doing the best you can. I don't care how you do it or like, it is okay. Whatever you choose to do, however you choose to do it, I'm on your side. It's okay. And, and it's funny because not- I was the opposite birthing. Like I, I was so fixated on not having any medical intervention that people were like, Christine, it's okay to take a Tylenol or it's okay. And I was like, no, I would have like destroyed my body if it, if that, if it meant that I had a natural birth, but I was, it was because of that judgment. Yeah. And then I breastfed my children far longer than I care to admit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that was a personal choice, but I received a ton of judgment. Breastfeeding was the biggest one that I received judgment from. For sure. From yourself, you mean? Or from others. For sure. I was really confident in my decision on that one, actually. It was something that I was really, I think it's so crazy that it's a taboo topic to feed your children. And however long you want to do it is, is your own prerogative. See, and, and it's interesting because I, I went into my birth experience thinking I needed to be completely natural, no medications. People that have C-sections are just cop-outs. And then I ended up needing to have a C-section. And then I ended up not being able to breastfeed. And so then I threw all this judgment on myself on this failure as a parent. I'd see other women breastfeeding and I just start crying like, why can't I do that? And yeah, it's funny how we do this to ourselves. So in me, I was perceiving this judgment from others. Like people are judging me because I'm not feeding my child naturally. And meantime, around the corner, there's some mother who's maybe choosing to breastfeed for eight months and she's feeling judged for that. There's no winning. Totally. You're, you're spot on. I think the biggest thing is going into the parenting side that, yeah. that I, we, we really in our home work on you know, just being a judgment-free place in general, but I struggle with the amount of judgment in society, especially for children. And we've had some issues. Obviously, every child grows and develops in their own way. And I, I feel like we really place people, but kids in general in this box and they have to yeah. follow this developmental guideline. And if they don't hit every target right on track, then we judge them. And that's the biggest problem. And I hear so many adults talking about other children's behavior and talking amongst themselves. I personally don't think it's ever appropriate for adults to be talking in a judgmental energy about a child. Yeah. And for me, it was someone who has kids who developed asynchronously and kids do develop asynchronously. Some develop more their physical skills faster, some their intellectual skills faster. Very rarely do kids progress exactly the same rate in all things. And yeah, to just hold that judgment back and and it's all normal. Honestly, if you look at the animal kingdom or you look at the normal spectrum of children, they develop in different areas in different ways. And, and sometimes one area is faster and then the other area catches up, but it's not actually realistic for their brain to equally develop all areas all at the same time in the same way. And, and they need to be parented differently too. What works for one child doesn't work for another child. Totally. And, and their brains will develop different at the end of the day as well. And I think that's where it's so interesting to me that we, the expectations that we have of children at a young age, when someone might be more artistic, one of my favorite quotes uh, was, and I, it's attributed to Albert Einstein, who knows if he actually yeah. said it or not, was that if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. True story. I yeah. think the other quote that I would say is comparison is a thief of joy. 
I just love that so much because at the end of the day, they're just going to be different. And the more you're comparing each other to your other children or to other people's children, you're literally stealing the joy from them. You are telling them that you have to be a specific way in order for us to accept you in order to be normal. What is normal? I, yeah, I think that we, and and again, that goes back to the judgment. I think comparison is really what's the trigger for judgment. I think you're right. Yeah. It's that desire to compare and just say, do you live up to this standard or whatever? But when you realize it, I think we're talking about this on another show too, about how the fact that we're all different for a reason, like in a body, you have a hand, you have a head, you have a foot, you have a torso. If all you had was hands and everyone was identical, we wouldn't have a community. So instead of comparing and say, you need to be more like that, you need to be more like that. It's like, whoa, you're this super cool, unique, valuable piece of this huge puzzle. And it wouldn't work unless we had all these unique pieces, right? I love it. I talk about this a lot with my kids is appreciating the dark. If we didn't have the dark, we wouldn't know light. So when you're in those dark moments or when you're in the dark or something feels heavy or big or scary, that's the time to say, wow, I'm so grateful for this experience right now because when the light comes, then it's going to feel way better. I, I think I, my highs are really high. My lows can be really low as well. But it's for me, it's about being mindful in those low moments or in the dark. And which I, that's what I always say to the kids is just, we really have to appreciate the dark. And there we at nighttime, we do um, the little, we call the gratitude game where we yeah. take a turn saying something we're grateful for. I love it. And it's so fun because they're like, my turn. I want to say, I want to say something. And oftentimes right now, COVID comes up. Mm-hmm. And so then we say, okay, let's talk about COVID. Mm-hmm. What happened? COVID is, I feel as though obviously getting it wasn't ideal, <laughs> didn't feel great. Yeah. But again, I, it really helped me appreciate our medical system and it, our kids got, so I say to the kids, you got all this time off school, right? You got to hang with your mom. I haven't traveled at all for a year. Yeah. And for me, it brought just a massive amount of perspective mm-hmm. and it was really grounding for me. I feel like I'm in a way better place emotionally and just in general than I have been in years. So I think a lot of people have taken the opportunity to ground themselves in this period of time. Yeah, I know I have. Through Zoom, I've met people from all over the world. I've created relationships and friendships. Yeah, I'm excited to get back and I totally want to see those restaurants and businesses thrive. And there's nothing good about the loss of human life, but just in terms of slowing down, taking some time, spending that time with my family, having my kids home. Uh, a lot of those things have really been gifts for sure. Yeah. I love what you say too, about the being able to connect in a wider arena, I guess. And for mm-hmm. me, I live in a small community in Northern BC. So yeah. even in work situations, often events are in the bigger centers. Yeah. And so that gives me days of traveling, time away from my family, time away from my business. And oftentimes I just simply don't go. Yeah. Like the majority of the time I don't go to things. So yeah. For me, it's been amazing because I feel like I'm more engaged with others than ever. And I feel like it's just been such an opportunity to meet people where I would not have been able to otherwise. And I think one thing that the pandemic has highlighted is how disproportionately impactful these situations can be on moms. Yeah. Majority of you know primary caregivers in homes have been moms who are their businesses are sacrificing or their well-being or their mental space because they have to raise their children, homeschool their children. Most of us realize that we appreciate teachers a little bit more throughout this and run a business at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. so as a mom, it's amazing to be able to to be honest about my kids being around. Mm-hmm. When I, they were younger and I was running my business, I had to basically pretend yeah. <laughs> that I was in the office and just and, and have that acceptance of it. And 
yeah, and be invited to more. Yeah, and have other people get it, right? That that didn't get it before. Now they now they the people that have always worked in office and dropped their kids off at school or daycare, and for them to be home and dealing with their kids and working out of an office, all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I totally get what you used to be talking about. Yeah. And there's and it builds that sense of community because there's this yeah. understanding between you. I'm um, training for years for this. I'm like, here, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> I can do this like, all day long. So has your office always been at home or did you move it back to home through COVID? Did you used to have an office out in the community? And has that been one we'll of the pivots? That. That's always my question. And I'm We've just gotten into such good conversation that I've lost all my questions. But as far as pivots through COVID, like what pivots have you done either personally or, or from a business perspective? I actually always have had an office uh, in town, I, which I live just on the outskirts. So I, I personally, I prefer to meet clients outside of my home setting. And, mm-hmm. But I do have a home office as well. So I go yeah. back and forth. I was, it's now that both my kids are in school, I was doing most of my hours at the office. But I find that, uh, to be honest, not getting ready and not driving in the morning has afforded me a lot more time. The challenge that I have with that is that it sounds terrible to say and to even admit it out loud, but it's so much easier to choose that extra 15 minutes of work over and over again. And then you end the day and you're like, oh my gosh, now the mom guilt hits me like a ton of bricks and I should have fed them earlier and I should have helped with homework more. I should have done this. And then you go to bed with a sense of like overwhelming guilt, just watching the little faces saying, I'll be better tomorrow. Just doing yeah. the best that you can. And so I liked being at the office because there was a shutdown time and then right. the kids and all that stuff. The beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> to be totally honest, I was eating and drinking my way through and I was just like, I'm just sitting at home and having a great old time. And then I, I noticed in my health that I was needing to make a change. So I actually eliminated alcohol in November and I don't know how long it'll be, but it's made a big difference. Yeah. That's funny. I did a similar thing, not alcohol. The first three months we were just sitting home, baking bread and eating cookies. And it's just like insane. And then all of a sudden I woke up one day and I'm like, this has to stop. And like, I gave up sugar and caffeine last August. And now I'm on like 10 months. I haven't touched a drop of sugar. And it's just brought this new clarity, this new focus. I don't have this fuzzy head. I thought caffeine was actually helping me with focus, but because I am a little ADHD, it, it was actually amplifying that instead of quieting it down. So it's funny the little things that come out of this. But so that leads me to my next question. This is the silver linings, right? So part of it is like you say, just recognizing how grateful and how lucky you are. It sounds like you've given up some vices as well, or whatever you want to call it, given up alcohol. Has there been some other silver linings for you that that we haven't touched on? I, I think everything in life is a pendulum shift. And I went through my, the whole beginning of my career was being a mom. So I got licensed in 2010, got pregnant and no, sorry, got engaged, married and pregnant in 2011, had a baby 2012, got pregnant 2013, had another baby 2014, 2015. I was basically just, what the heck did I get myself into? And my business was taking off at the time. Yeah. And then and then I was probably when I started to really just try to figure out myself. Yeah. And then 2017, I made a choice to say, okay, you know what? I really, I have to either not do my business or do it. I can't just keep being in the middle of everything. Yeah. So I can't even remember the question now. <laughs> so awesome. Silver linings, silver I think, but it's okay. Yeah. Run with what yeah. you got because that's totally making sense. Yeah. So did you... Yeah. So 2017, you said, you, I got to get serious. I got to make a decision. I'm either in or I'm out. Did you yeah. implement some strategies though to hire an assistant or put in some processes so that you could actually have 
a little more sanity and that you're not just constantly running on that hamster wheel? Yeah, totally. I'm really about efficiency systems, processes, but I, I, it was just still scattered in my mind. And so I took the time to map out my whole client journey. I technology implemented because I knew exactly how I wanted each step to go. I looked at hiring team and I really just taking it a little bit more seriously which I think was was a big difference as well. But then as that progressed, then I started to have this success and it was it felt great and I felt okay, maybe this is, you know, what I'm focusing on more. And I think the pendulum shifted a little bit too far to the other side if I'm being yeah. totally honest. Yeah. I was just in all these amazing opportunities and I just was so grateful to have every opportunity that I wanted to be a part of it. And it ended up taking a lot of time away from my family. And as somebody who's so family focused, it just more than anything, I mean, my family was always taken care of, but what it did was just put more mom guilt on me. Yeah. Like it's totally fine for my kids to go to my in-laws for a night, but I miss them. So yeah. what I realized was that I was, and because I'm in a Northern community, I would always try and be there because I felt that was what my, that's my weakness is that I'm physically not able to be there in person. Mm-hmm. And so I was going out of my way to, to be somewhere all the time and to, I don't know, I just, I think it was a little bit inauthentic to me to put on a front, not to put on a front that sounds like disingenuous, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just was not quite myself. And yeah, I, I decided at that point I had to make some changes. I think a lot of it is just prior to COVID. I had actually stepped down as a, a role that I had. I started a company in beginning of 2020. So prior to that, I had really started this journey of self-discovery of what do I want out of life? And my son at the time, we were laying in bed one night and he said, mom, he couldn't sleep. He's super deep. And he said, I just can't figure out my purpose. Oh. Okay. He would have been, yeah, he's young. And so I thought about it a lot myself. Of what is my purpose? And the end of the day, we're all going to die. I could die tomorrow. Yeah. And do I want to be known as this mortgage broker who poured all of my soul into getting people a good rate or product on the yeah? Home? Yeah. Uh, what's my or, legacy? Yeah. Yeah. What's my legacy exactly? Exactly. Yeah. I had this well that little not epiphany, but the other day I'm digging into something, and my daughter comes in. She's, do you want to go for a walk, mom? We'll grab the dog. We'll go for a quick walk. And I'm like, no, I'm too busy. And then she walked away, and I'm like. Are you kidding me? Like really this thing that you're working on, is it even going to matter in five years? But your kid's going to remember that you took time. And I just shut my laptop down. I'm like, yeah, let's go for a walk. And it was the best thing I did. Like I just needed to sit there for a minute and think, really, you're choosing this thing over spending time with your kid that's probably going to move out of home in four or five years. Like she's coming to you, asking to spend time with you. Yeah. Freaking make the time and go do it. And I did. And it, who cares? Like maybe I do this thing at midnight. It doesn't matter. What matters is that that time, I'll never get that back. And I'll remember that walk. We'll have photos of it. It'll be a memory. That project I was working on, no one's going to give a crap about that. I always say material things do nothing for me. Again, just from my life experience, I, they just do nothing for me. But my currency is time. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I totally agree. I have a very similar story. I was, at, I was in the beach with my kids. We were on a trip for work. There's a family thing. And my son at the time would have been four. And yeah. he turned around to me and said, mommy, this is what fills my bucket. Like, oh, so cute. And then I had to rush. We had to go meet my aunts. And it was, yeah. so I said, babe, we'll be back tomorrow. Don't worry. We'll come back tomorrow. And then of course I got up in the morning and there was yeah. stuff everywhere. Yeah. We never went back. And I just, yeah. it stuck with me so much. So mm-hmm. this is, I am fully crazy. So I was like, you know what? His birthday was in two weeks. I said, what am I working so hard for? So yeah. I booked us a, a flight. I woke him up at five o'clock in the morning. I said, we're flying back to Vancouver. And so we flew down, we rented a uh, convertible Mustang 
And then I packed a big bag of toys that had yeah. like just signed messages on them so that we yeah. could deliver them to people and leave them along the beach. Yeah. And we just went and we just spent the whole day together. We walked along playing. We play with different toys and leave them for, for other kids and whatever. And then, then we came home that night and it was so from that we started an annual trip. And now every year I take each of my kids on a birthday trip. And that's awesome. But you're so right. That's what you're doing it all for. You're doing everything you do. All the work we do, everything is for our families. And if we don't make them the priority, then what's like, why are we even doing this? I was saying like, we work so hard for yeah. money yeah. to buy things yeah. to impress people yeah. who we don't really like or get fulfilled by, then we're going to feel unfulfilled, shocking. And then work harder for more money for more things. So it's like it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, never ending cycle is exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need to wrap this up shortly. I want to ask you my last question. And that's just if you could give advice to some woman who's starting out as an entrepreneur, as a mom, they're trying to to do this juggling act or balancing act. They're dealing with the mummy guilt and the weight of all the stuff. What's your advice to them? What would you say if you could talk to yourself back then? Great question. And I have a reminder that pops up on my phone every day that I have to acknowledge and then set for the next day. And it just says, you are enough. Love it. And that sums it all up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I totally appreciate your time and the conversation. It was a good one. I feel like I could actually go for another hour, but I don't have that ability and you've got stuff to get back to. So you can get back to- I just have to go pick up my kids from school. I those kids of yours. I was going to say, go see those kids of yours. Thanks so much. That's it for this week. To get more information on any of my guests or to book me as a speaker at your next event, please visit jugglingwithoutballs.ca and you would totally make my day if you left me a review or you sent me an email at monica at jugglingwithoutballs.ca and let me know what you got out of this week's episode. I'm hoping to read some of those reviews and some of those emails on future episodes. Have a great week, jugglers. 